0: There's
1: Brandon. Welcome to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion,
2: Russell McGee.
1: That's him. Uh, this series of Old Space Show follows the semi-antastic adventures of Galen and his two astronaut pals as they wade their way through the futuristic Earth in the short-lived television version of The Planet of the Apes. Today, We discussed the 10th episode. They got to double digits, folks. The interrogation.
2: When Peter is captured by Urko's soldiers, he is forced to face two equally horrifying options. He can either be killed outright by Urko, or he can be used in a brainwashing experiment being performed by a prominent ape doctor using a forbidden human text on the subject cast. Yes. Ooh. All right. Uh, and what what is with her name, Wanda? I'm like, of all the names to come up with, I'm sorry, but that's like, it's a small thing, and that's not even the thing that I was telling you about that I was going to go mm-hmm. on about, but Wanda for a ape? I just, it does not read for me. You
1: tell us, folks. We won't have a poll, but you tell us. Uh, this one is directed by Alf Jelen, or is it Kajelen? I looked it up. It says you pronounce it Jelen. Alf. All right. Uh, you know, we got all sorts of sci fi stuff going on, you know? Alf. They bring it on there. Okay. Uh look out cats, but this is about apes. Uh it's written by Richard Collins, the cast of this episode Roddy McDowell, Ron Harper, James Naughton, Mark Leonard, Booth Coleman, pause. Beverly Garland. Pause. And Seymour, Norman Burton. Uh, Mr. K Jellen, Alf. Um, he has directed directed for Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Alfred Hitchcock. Hour. Uh, Did I Spy Girl, both Girl and Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, Gunsmoke, two episodes of Columbo, Walton's Police Woman, Dynasty? The writer Collins was an uncredited writer on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original. Got some sci fi street cred coming up in here. Uh, He also wrote for Maverick, Bonanza, Remington Steel, Spencer for Hire like seeing that one in there i remember that show uh matlock diagnosis murder uh beverly garland yeah God, i love her legend <laughs> a legend uh she had a hotel in uh studio city california the beverly garland holiday inn or marriott or something like
2: that Did you go there
1: Well, when my parents would come visit me out there, when I lived there, they would stay at her hotel. Like, they Uh loved it. They loved her hotel. It was just a freaking hotel. They loved her hotel. um, And I believe, I could be wrong, but in the early days of the Academy Awards up through Mm -hmm. to the mid-70s, that's where they were held. We're in the Beverly Garland. uh, A ballroom in there. Um, Let me... Let me make sure of that um, hotel she played. Uh, well, okay. Okay. It's technically North Hollywood, California. Sorry. It was studio city, but it's very much in the crossroads of that. It was just the Beverly Garland hotel. Sorry. It was not a holiday Inn or anything like that. Beverly Garland hotel. It's where they'd stay. It's a nice little place. They loved it. Uh, and I believe the, how they, the Academy awards were held there for some years. I believe that's where, when the French Connection won Best Picture, i this is my stupid knowledge I have in my damn head. Because um, I remember in William Friedkin's memoirs, he talks about when he won Best Director there. Because he, uh, he... So, he worked... Friedkin did an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. He showed up fashionably to direct. And Hitchcock was like, Mr. Friedkin we wear a suit and tie to work here at the office. And he said when he won the best director, he was so like high on himself. And Hitchcock was in the front row and he's like so much for that suit and tie,
2: huh? Oh, that's amazing.
1: And, and Hitchcock just kind of just, he said Hitchcock just rolled his eyes. <laughs> Hitchcock famously never won the Academy award for best director. Uh, but what he went for, and I believe he said it was at the Beverly
2: Garland Hotel. Um, no, but he did win Best Picture with Rebecca,
1: though. But that was a Seltzman Oscar, not his. I know,
2: I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. Seltzman you know or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> it, it's
1: funny, and I was I was watching something recently with an interview with Bogdanovich, Peter Bogdanovich, and he was like, you know, he's like, it, he's like, as much as there was praise at the time, whatever, like, it wasn't until uh, François Truffaut did that series of interviews with him and released that, like that study, that people actually looked back and started taking him seriously. Like he wasn't taken that seriously in the moment. It wasn't until that they were like, "Oh, maybe we did have someone really good here." And and at that point, he only delivered like after that. I think when I it, he had like frenzy, topaz, and family plot that came out, and I think. Right. I do think family Pot is unfairly maligned because it's not that bad, but once you appreciate him and then that's his last movie, I think an overreaction of disappointment on that has cast an unfair light on it, but.
2: And I know we're down a rabbit hole here. But... Oh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, but dude, like yeah. I, I I'm also with you. Cause like his, his comedies are not his strength. And that wasn't his only comedy that he
1: did. Yeah, He did go. The suspense guy went out on a comedy, but all his suspense movies, one of the biggest elements is comedy. Like that's yeah. what helps your suspense with it. He was really good at dark, devious suspense, straight comedy. I don't know. I like trouble with Harry quite a bit, um, but did
2: you ever see yeah, Jan- Juno and
1: the Pagock? Mm, oh, really old one? Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I said, well, yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're going way back there. I thought we became the master. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tout Jamaica in or anything like that, but... Um, but, yeah, no, I, I get you. I, uh, yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair there, yeah. but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, anyways, to tr- track it back, Jeez. this thing I mentioned happened, the Beverly Garland Hotel, who Beverly Garland is here playing Wanda in this episode. So, we left off last time, but now... Some things have happened, uh, things have gone to shit right away,
2: and Peter gets captured
1: to start this episode right away. Like it
2: goes back to, like you said, they're doing a really good job with that cold open with mm-hmm. having them just boom right into the action.
1: Right in the action. Uh Zayas wants to experiment on him. Like, and Urko's like, Why must we take all our simple problems and turn them to
2: experiments?
1: Like he is probably voting GOP. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, um, and then we have Wanda, the brilliant scientist, and they're trying to figure out what's so special about the astronauts. Um, and they believe they're going to look into brainwashing. That's one of the things. There.
2: This is this is the one thing, and I told you I had an issue with yes, this, you did. this plot. And and you probably you probably guessed this. It's about them using the text from 1986 from the uh, time capsule. Like mm-hmm. all along, the series is set up. They will not use the text and everything from the humans because it's going to corrupt ape culture and everything. And then here, Zaius is actually supporting Wanda and actually using something that's one of the Mm -hmm. forbidden texts.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's the whole premise here.
1: It'd be something if he was using it as a back, like deeply plotted way to teach Wanda a lesson about it, but it's not.
2: No, and it also is like, who the hell would put a brainwashing like book in a time capsule? I'm just like, the, those two things like it bother me about this episode. Aside from that, it's really, really well written. Mm-hmm. I, I just, those two little hangups for me, I'm like,
1: Ugh. yeah. 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 Like there, and there's some weird stuff in here too that inadvertently, like, there's a part of our questioning, there's one part where there's drums. But it's yeah. it's the score. And it's not like I'm like, that would have been like effective to have like an ape doing something just to like, you know, get them. But like and it's like I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like the tense draw. I'm like, oh, it's the score. I thought it was in the room at first. It's the score. But they do they do have and I laughed the light where they're doing the reflector thing on it. I was like, clever, clever. Totally. I don't know if it would sweat them out that much, but yeah.
2: They do actually acknowledge the drums in the dialogue too. Do they? Yeah. Because, okay. It's like he, like he's going on about, he can't hear her. He can't hear her. And then all of a sudden she's like, she does something else. And then like all of a sudden she, and she pulls a fast one. And is like, Oh, so you can hear me now. Convenient. Okay. So like it is part of the diegetic sound as far as I, we don't ever see the apes doing the drums, but it's yeah. definitely there in the world.
1: Gotcha. Um, yeah, so while that's going on, uh, Alan and Galen they have this thing where they they hijack a carriage uh, or some sort, and they Galen poses in a pink gown, which is funny. But, <laughs> but one of the big things of this episode is we meet Galen's family. He comes from somewhere, Russell.
2: He comes he from somewhere. He does. Like we've we've had backstory with the other two characters. And it's mm-hmm. it's also interesting because Roddy McDowell gets a lot more to play with. You yes, get this in the films in the same way. So like we get to see his parents here, and I, I, the the whole relationship as far as the structure there. Where his, his father is council.
1: His father is Yalu, and yeah. his mom his mom is Anne. <laughs> Yalu and Anne, like okay.
2: <laughs> Again, Wanda Anne. yep. But Yalu is on the high council, Mm -hmm. so he's really prominent. And then it's interesting because he's very conservative, but the mom, and you see this then how like Galen Mm and how his character has evolved, is more open-minded about things. And she's the one who's able to persuade the father into listening a little bit more as the episode goes.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, there's a big... Moments, in it. I, I do love the uh, like the the mom. Her makeup looks like they're using like a new mold yep. of a
2: longer nose.
1: Like maybe it didn't fit her face. The ones that they probably were using on different everybody. So I'm wondering if they had to make a special shape for her her face that you know, just didn't fit well. And then he her his dad's got an ape version of a, like a Mister Rogers dad sweater on, which I thought was cute. <laughs> he does have a great conversation with his father, too. Like you were saying, like, uh, it's a good dynamic. He's like, do you think you could, he goes, his father's like, do you think you can change our world? And he goes, I'd like to. I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's good lines there. Um, And I think they're like, they're really, especially with the stuff with the father here in this episode and, and like the family dynamic of what's going on they are really finding their footing with this series on the racial and prejudiced social commentary stuff mm-hmm. like they're really digging mm-hmm. in and doing well on it um it's it's the meat of their dramas and it's not you know. just forced there and it's just but it's working it's it's a you know. through line now and it's like it's awesome to see these situations like to go town to town to find it in different ways to try to fix and succeed or fail in different ways. And it's really, really making the show much more interesting in the drama department for sure.
2: Cause Galen basically questions his father and asks him, you know, what you know and what you think about humans, is that based on ritual and routine mm-hmm. or what, where is your ideals? Are you open to other things? And that's part of that conversation. Brandon was just talking about a little bit ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really good stuff. Um, And it takes the mother to step in and just because she believes, and um, it helps the father to see. Like the mother, the mother being brave and standing her ground is an example enough to convert the father to maybe see things differently in the future. You don't know. You don't know if he's just a okay with this situation guy, or if going forward he's going to. Be more open, but at least there's change. You know
2: that mother character also, and I I know I keep coming back to it, Brandon. But like, it's not a small role in the sense that like she's given a lot to do as a character and like absolutely strong female like role. And like we're talking about prejudice and stuff. I think there's another commentary going on there as far as with even the sexes as far as how she's given more to do here.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're taking core social issues and stuff. Um Simple, maybe this simple ones on the surface and they're finding the way to make them deeper, like within the ape thing. Um And it's,
2: yeah. I was going to say, it's like whenever Orko's men come to search their house, like yeah. they, the ape guards actually respect her mm-hmm. more than they do. Even the father who's on the council, because like, almost like there's a matriarchal type of way that they actually have that respect for a mother figure. Yeah. And the way they handle that.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, that that's that's the deepest. I mean, there's that interrogation stuff going on, but that I mean, this the family stuff with Galen is far the most interesting aspect of it. Um
2: we also talked about that be- before is like there- there's no mention actually of Galen's uh, family in the synopsis for this at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at the wiki. So like mm-hmm. a lot of the meat and potatoes of this episode just gets glossed over
1: because the, the easy A to B is that. Um, but it's all in the details that makes this one more interesting than the actual like narrative crux of it, because there's. there's its own story in the middle of it that has to succeed in order to get to the other one's finish. Um, And yeah, I I do. There is um, some interesting, there's one interesting part with Peter too, where they they're dizzying him on a table. Mm to his torture, but we do get a hallucination uh, where he's in the park with his gal, Susan played by Lynn Benish uh and they're just on a romantic picnic, it's in like the real modern world, probably San Francisco or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like, Whoa, this is what this looks like. We get a peek at what they would have been looking at look like when modern earth and whatever.
2: 1980.
1: Um, mm-hmm, <laughs> 1980. Right. It's the hip eighties, but th- that's sort of interesting there. But um, yeah, um, once they are able to get Peter out and escape, hide and have the family stand up like the, the dad before Galen leaves tells me he's proud of with it, proud of him, but also he manages to credit mom with helping him see right. So it all no missteps were made in the handling of this stuff. And it doesn't feel old sadly. Um,
2: it also doesn't feel forced either right. the way that they handled everything. Yeah. Does oh. not feel contrived.
1: Not at all. Uh I yeah I really like that stuff about it like yeah this one's this one's meat was really like the, the just like the meat and potatoes aspect of it was great the the whole venture of this was whatever but you know what it's TV it's uh, this was I mean it had this succeeded this would have been like a 22 24 episode a season thing you yeah. got to slow down in places and this was excellent at its slowing down and having a a two room show you got the interrogation room You got Galen's parents home and it's just hanging out in two places.
2: We also talked about in the last episode about, uh, Urko's uh, character and how that has changed. Here's Mm -hmm. another example of that in that he's having to take the back seat because Zayas is telling him, you need to give this whole brainwashing thing a try. Right. But by the end of it, Wanda's got to let and concede and actually turn over Peter to Urko because like it didn't work. She couldn't break Peter of the right. brainwashing.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, absolutely. Uh, another another little dynamite. Yeah, it's sad that we're going to come to an end here. We've got four yeah. episodes remaining, and it's like, oh well, crap. This is this is it. This is I mean, this is where it's figuring itself out and setting itself apart from the show or the movies and yeah. figuring out where it can dig in and and make its mark in the ape, uh, the ape world, the ape series, the lexicon, the franchise of the play of the apes, but but all, you know, all's going to end here, um, too soon, apparently. But, uh, until then it's time to take our stinking pause off this damn dirty episode. Russell, thank (laughs) you as always for joining me. And until next time, where can people keep up with you?
2: Indiana Public Media. I am the on-air promotion producer for WTIU and WFIU. But for all of your sci-fi crazy geekiness, uh, check me out with Big Finish Productions. And there, I'm a sound designer and sometimes writer. And uh, I work on their Gallifrey range. And we actually have a new story coming out, new set coming out, uh, Gallifrey War Room. So look out for that.
1: Fun story. Uh, My daughter has a new doll baby thing and uh she she named it lila
2: that is amazing okay for
1: the red hair but she didn't realize she did it <laughs> she didn't realize I was like you know she's like oh my god and she did similar hair color to um louise back then i was like that's interesting
2: now okay <laughs> you so you you went on a side there is uh, my uh, niece first niece is actually named Tegan. I don't know if I've ever told you oh, that Oh no you didn't no, tell me that No and like I kept my mouth completely shut whenever my brother was like Oh we're thinking about naming her Tegan. I'm like <laughs> and I did not say a word <sighs> until after
1: Oh jeez Is she gonna when she moves out Is she gonna go It's just not fun anymore. <laughs>
2: Oh, she's very she's very much in the dramatic arts. So okay. it's going to be interesting to see where she goes if she ends up doing some more stuff like her uncle.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, we look forward to those developments. Uh, meantime, <laughs> hashtag Beverly Garlangatan. I tried. I tried.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BrandonPortQHD, writtenworkofysoulblue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters Show this week. Mike Vanderbilt's back for a music episode on Friday, but from all space...
0: It's the
2: Mad-O-S!
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters Announcer vocals by Jessica Alzman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended Additional information on this and other episodes at BrandonPetersShow.com For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.